So this is the finale of I Am God's Plan today. Going to wrap it up, all right? So, and, and you are God's plan. I want to tell you how you're God's plan. I'll wrap up kind of a lot of thoughts right here. Just want to make sure you get all of this. I am God's plan as a man. Okay, that's me. That's, that's pastor. I'm God's plan as a man. I, I, I'm a man, okay? So I'm God's plan. The fact that you are a man... You are God's plan in, in that, that you are a man. And these scriptures right there, and it, you know, incidentally, always, and I, I'm not going to read, there's a lot of scriptures here, but they're on the Sunday's page. And I really, really encourage you to go to the Sunday's page this week, click on all of these and, and read these verses, okay? But I am God's plan as a man. You know, what, you know what that means? Because I am a man, I am God's plan. And when we read these verses, you know what we see? We see that God wants to use me as a man. He wants to use me as a husband. He wants to use me as an amazing husband. I am God's plan as a husband to my wife. He wants to use me as a, as a dad. I am God's plan as a dad to my children. You know, I, I, I'm, not just, I'm not just someone to, you know, when Dave and I were pastoring uh, in Enterprise and uh, Jamie's home church, we were pastoring there. Uh, we, had this, we had this lady that we went to. She, she was older. She was retired and, and uh and she hadn't had uh, her husband, I think it died many, many years earlier. And we went over to eat with her one night and we were talking about all the stuff, you know, we we're kind of getting to know her a little bit because, you know, you don't get all that, uh, that much opportunity with people. And so we were kind of getting to know her. And so she was sharing a lot of the things that she deals with around her house, some funny things going on in her, in, in her life as well. And, and, and in the middle of some of this, at some point that night, she said, I want you to pray for God to give me a man. And she said, and I don't need much of a man. I just need somebody to take out the garbage and to check the doors at night. <laughs> and I'm thinking, man, we can hire you somebody to do that, you know, that kind of a thing. We can hire you somebody to do that. And, and, and you know, God, when, when God called us as men, he didn't call us to just take out the garbage and check the doors at night. There is a, there is a place that you and I fulfill as a man in people's lives around us. And, and not, not just the ones that are in our home, but the ones that are around us. I mean, we, we go to the scriptures, and, and there's some of them there, and then it talks about how, how we are supposed to also over, look over and oversee. And if we, see, if we see a younger brother who is struggling in some way, take him to lunch, buy him some coffee, and talk to him and encourage him. God has given us this as, as, as our, our challenge as men. I am a man, and therefore I have, I have certain things. I, I believe, and if you, if you, if you are, uh, disagree with me, read the scriptures and then call me and we'll discuss it. But I believe, I believe God's called me to be a chauvinist. And let me, let me just say to you young men, maybe they don't know this because you, you've not been taught, you don't see it. If, you, if there's a lady coming through the door, hold the door for her. Let her I don't care if she's a young lady or old lady, hold the door for her. You know, treat her like she's supposed to be treated. Let her know. that. Let, let her see through you that there's something there that is in you. I mean, it, Treat ladies like they're supposed to be treated. And if you're, if you're dating age, if you're in your dating years, then by all means, do everything you can. God has called you as a man. He's called you to show who he is, how he loves the ladies and the women and the children who are around you and in your life. Or for you ladies here, you're God's plan as a woman. You know, yeah, you're supposed to be, you know, a, a, a wife that, you know, that amazing wife that, that, that God talks about so many times throughout scriptures. And, and you see some of the scriptures here, but I, didn't have, I don't have space to list all of those. And, and you know, I don't want, you know, don't want you to, to, to encourage you to read the whole Bible this week because you won't get there. But to, to see some of these and God, God challenges us and, and you women challenges you, every one of us. And in those places that you are to be a great wife. 
to be a great mom and not just to be a mom to the kids who are in your own home, but also to be a mom to all the kids around you. I, I mean, look, look, at, look around you and you see the most awesome women in Christianity around you today, the most awesome Christian women. And what do you see? You see women who, who don't say, well, no, I just take care of my kids. You see a woman who's taking care of everybody's kids. You see a woman who wants to bless everybody. You see a woman who wants to mother everybody in the room and everybody. I mean, that, 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 that's kind of the, a lot of the calling of what God has given to you. And, and in these verses here, you'll also read where, where God says, let these older women. Now, that doesn't mean you got to be 90 years old, but an older woman means you're just older than somebody else, Right. Okay, it's a subjective term. A term. You are older than somebody else. So let the older women look to the younger women and see what they need and train them and teach them and speak to the things. You know, there is a, there is a you know, and I've, I've heard this term a lot in just the past maybe, month, maybe two months, is one of, the, one of the greatest problems we have in our culture today is fatherlessness. But let me add to that, one of the greatest problems we have in our culture today is fatherlessness and motherlessness. We don't have fathers and mothers who are stepping up and who are saying, I'm here for you. What do you need? We don't have fathers and mothers who are willing to invade people's space. I mean, we, we step back and we wait for everybody to invite us in. Thank God. Thank God I had people when I was growing up that did not wait for me to say, would you pray for me? But they were praying for me when I wasn't asking them to. Thank God I had people that, that were telling me, now, now listen, you're going to mess up here. Even when I didn't say, hey, would you give me some advice here? I, I thank God that I had men and women in my life who stepped through the door before the door was open and said, can I help you in some way? And God calls us to this. And, to, and, and I am God's plan as a child, as a child of my parents. Everyone who is a child of someone else in this, raise your hand. If you're a child of some other adult in this world or what. I'll, you know, some of y'all are confused because you didn't raise your hand. There is none, none of us are not, a, not children. I mean, you might look at yourself and say, my age, I'm, yes, you're a child of someone, right? You know, and they kind of say that, you know, a child never grows up as long as his mom is alive, right? And I know some of you, your, your mom, your dad has passed away, or some of you, you don't know, you know, your mom or dad, you've been estranged from them, you grew up in a system or something, and, and so you might not, but we're, but we're all children, and, we're, and in this, in, in scriptures again, that tell us we, we have a response as, as, as God's plan for uh, where we're at in our life and in the, in the home and in the family that we're in, God wants to do something through you. You see, you, you've got to get this attitude out of your mind that God just wants to tell you what to do. No, God wants to tell you have, how to have an awesome life. God wants to tell you how, how to bring power and joy and peace and love into your life again. So that's what he's telling you. He wants to, he wants to show you how, how to, you know, for those of you who are living in a home where you're the only Christian and your parents aren't even Christian, you're living with your parents, God wants to show you how you can even lead them. Because in our own homes, you know, what we do as Christians, and got scripture for this next one too, is is what we do as Christians is we bring holiness into the situation. So as, as dads, as a Christian dad, if I'm who I'm supposed to be, I am God's plan of bringing holiness into the home. As a mom, as a Christian mom, if, if you are who you're supposed to be, or wife, you know, then you are God's plan. If you're, if you're the one you're supposed to be of bringing holiness into the home. And even as a child, 
Even as a child, when you are living the way you're supposed to be living, even if nobody else is a Christian and you are, you are a child of God and you're living the way and doing the things you're supposed to be doing, speaking the things, treating your parents with, 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 with the attitude and respect that you're supposed to be, you are bringing holiness into the home whereby the Spirit of God will be able to move on the rest of the people in that home and maybe reach them and help them get to know Jesus Christ also as their personal Savior so that they also have eternal life. And so we think it's just supposed to be that we just bring people to church and a pastor preaches to them, they get saved, and that's it. But what God says, if you look, especially this scripture in 1 Corinthians here, you read that and just see what God is saying about it. And he's talking about marriage there, but, but, but if you'll add all these other things there with the children as well, what you will see is, is God is saying that you're bringing holiness into a situation whereby I may be able to reach them. It's important how you live in the middle of the situations that you have in your life. It's important how you live in, in your marriage relationship. It's important how you live in, in, in your home, whether you've got kids or you're the kid and you've got parents. It's important how you live in the relationships that you have with your brothers and your sisters. I mean, I mean your, your, your physical blood brothers and sisters. It's important how we live because, because if we live rightly and we allow God to use us, we will be the holiness that brings him the opportunity to teach them and to reach them. And so I, I'm also God's plan... What's my, as a, as a friend, just so take that outside the home, you know, as, as living there in the home, I, I have a, I have a greater opportunity living there in the home to bring holiness to them. You don't have that quite as much as a friend, but these two, these two verse, uh, uh, stories right here in John chapter one and John chapter four, you know what we see right there? We, we see people who are meeting Jesus for the first time and you know what they do? You know, you know what they do? This, this is the thing of receiving that awesome gift. If you're really thankful, if you really treasure that gift, you immediately want to tell somebody about it, right? Don't you want to tell somebody? I mean, you get a great gift. You want to tell somebody about it. You, you want to take your picture with it, you know? And, and, you know, show it on Instagram to everybody. Look what I got today, right? You want to do that. And that's what they did. Immediately when they met Jesus, both of these stories, and I'm going to tell you, I don't want to tell you what either one of them is, but both of them, both of these stories, they immediately, when they meet Jesus, they think of somebody else that needs to know Jesus. And they go and they find somebody else and, and they bring them to Jesus. And it's really cool, really cool how that very first one, especially because at first they're rebuffed a little bit. And he said, well, well, but just come and see, just come and see. Oh man, some of you need to use that. You, know, you need to use that. Go tell somebody that you attend the most awesome church you've ever been a part of. And when they say, oh, really? You just say, well, come and see. Come and prove me wrong. Come and ju just come and see. I am God's plan as a man, as some of you as a woman, as a child, as part of my family, but I'm also God's plan as a friend. I'm God's plan as a friend. I'm God's plan, what's the next, the next night? Is this my, to make a difference. God's plan to make a difference in somebody's life. I just preached not too long ago on the, on the Good Samaritan, shared, shared a lot of that story. And you think about all the steps that he took. Here's, here's the thing, whether you're being a man uh, you know, or a woman, a, a child, a friend, you know, whatever the relationship is, God has called you to make a difference. A lot of times what we do, we, we, we kind of look at our, our, um, you know, our calling or our opportunities to be just sending somebody an invitation, letting them know, oh, we got, you know, Socks and underwear are coming up, you know, as a sermon series. But God doesn't just call us to inform people. God calls us to make a difference. Like in this story of the Good Samaritan, he called him to make a difference. 
He wasn't just called just to, just to speak down into the ditch where the man was dying and say, hey, you know, you, you, you need to get that seen to. You know, you, you need to go find a doctor or something. You know, he probably knew he needed a doctor. And there are a lot of people in your lives, you know, whether you're living with them, they're part of your family that you can really have some influence on, or they're just some friends that about all you can do, or maybe they're even a boyfriend or girlfriend that about all you can do is say, why don't you come see Come see or open your eyes and just see what Jesus is going to do for you. But, but you've got to do more than just tell them because they already know that their lives are a mess. So God has called us. I'm God's plan to make a difference. I'm God's plan to make a difference. And how do I do that? I do that because I'm as his canvas. It's like he is painting this beautiful picture in my life. You may not think it's very beautiful, but see me after church and I'll tell you how beautiful this picture is that God is painting of my life. I am blessed beyond measure of how God is painting this awesome, beautiful picture in my life. And, and, and when I tell people about it, when people give me the opportunity, and, and you know, sometimes I really want to tell you more and more about all my blessings, and I feel like, you know, you guys don't want to just hear about my blessings, but so many times I just want, I just want to tell you how blessed I am. There are times I just say, you know, I, I want to stop here in the middle of this sermon. I just want to tell y'all how God has blessed me. And I look around at all these other people and I, I see all these other things that are happening. And, you know, we, we, yeah, we got problems. We, we deal with stuff. We got bills to pay, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But I am so blessed. And, and when I share with that how blessed I am, when I share with that how blessed I am, I'm, I'm, t- I'm showing people the canvas of how God is painting on all this. Just saw Regina's hand go up over there because, you know, they, they've been blessed this week. Oh, man, no, they've been at the hospital all week. They've been in the ICU unit and children's hospital all week long. And you know what? The first thing we respond to that is say, man, they've had a tough week. They hadn't been blessed. No, let me tell you, there's a little girl that came out of the hospital yesterday. There's a, there's a little girl that the doctors weren't sure we're going to make it last week. There's a little girl that, that wasn't, but she came home yesterday. So you know what? Yeah, there are problems. There are storms, but I'm blessed today. Amen. As this canvas as his reflection. So let me challenge you right here real quick. It matters how you live your life because you're supposed to be reflecting Christ. And when people look at you and you call yourself Christian, you know what Christian means, right? It means like being a Christ follower. I am a Christian. You know what it means to be an Alabamian, right? I don't mean all those pick them up truck kind of stuff and all that, you know, in NASCAR and, and you know, and I mean, it means that you're, you're from Alabama. Christian is the same thing. We're, it's like we're from Christ. We are Christ-like. We are followers of Christ. So when you say that, people say, oh, so you are like Christ. Let me look at your life and see what Christ is like. We have to be careful how we live because we're his reflection. And we're also his example of grace. What did he give you? Did he give you judgment? Did he give you justice? Did he give you what you deserve? No, that's why I'm amazed. That's why I'm blown away. That's why I stood there just a few moments ago as we were, as we, as we were thinking those things that Jamie was sharing and I was thinking about how amazingly blessed I am. What I was thinking was, I haven't received justice. I haven't received what I deserve. I've received grace. And if I've received grace, my true thankfulness for this gift of grace that I have received makes me want to turn around and do something with it, not throw it in my trunk of my car or back in the closet because I don't want anybody to see what God, I want to drag it out. I don't want everybody to see. Let me tell you about the grace of God that has made me so, so, so stinking blessed, amazingly stinking blessed. And so I believe today, I, I believe, first of all, I believe that I believe that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
But I believe beyond just what he has done for me, I believe he wants to use me to change somebody else's life. And let me tell you why I believe that. Let me, show, let me show you real quick. Here's why I believe that. I believe that because of the people that I've seen that have been God's canvas, that have been his reflection, that have been his example. Like Noah, who in the middle, and nobody else according to scripture, nobody else was following after God, but God found in Noah. And you know what Noah did? Noah built an ark to save his family. And because of that, that challenges me to say, if, if everybody else turns their back on God, I can still save my family. Somebody needs to hear that. Because your family is struggling. You need to hear that. Or, or, or like Abraham. Abraham, who, who God called out, and he wasn't perfect, but God, God called him out, and he gave him a covenant that was an everlasting covenant. You know what? I believe God's made some promises to me for my family, and you know what? He has been, he has been true to his word and his promises for my family. Standing here today, I can tell you, I'm still blessed today, and you know what I believe? I believe because God is who God says he is, I believe his promises are still going to be true tomorrow as well. And because I see it there in Abraham or in Moses, in Moses, and everybody wanted to turn their back. Everybody wanted to go the other way. But Moses led a whole nation of people to a place to receive their promise. Oh, come on. Some of you, you are God's plan to help somebody else see that God wants to lead them through the wildernesses and deserts and low places and, and barren places of their life. He wants to lead them to the place of their, their own blessing and promise. And David, who fell on his face Yet he got back up. Come on, somebody, you need to hear that, right? He fell on his face, but he got back up. He fell flat on his face. He committed sin that you and I have not even thought about committing. Well, some of you have. You just hadn't done it yet. You know, I'm talking about that murder thing because of somebody. You know, you, maybe you've thought about that. He committed murder. Yet you know what he did? He got back up. He goes to God and, and seek in his face. Or, or Esther from the one that, you know, we get that phrase that, that God, who knows that God has maybe called you for such a time as this. Some of you, some of you, God has put you in a place in a family, in a relationship, in a home, in, in, in a job situation, in a particular class at school, somewhere, God has put you in a place for just such a time as this, or Nehemiah, who rebuilt what was destroyed. Again, somebody needs to hear that today. You're looking around you, you're seeing all the destruction of all the things that have happened in your life, in your marriage, and all of that, but that's your past. What you've got to do is you've got to, like Nehemiah, you've got to see that the glory of this next house can be greater than the glory of our, your, your future can be better than your past. Oh man, uh, Rahab, who is the epitome of restoration that a prostitute becomes one of the great, 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 I don't know how many greats we need to throw in there, but she becomes one of the great, 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 great grandmothers of Jesus Christ himself come in the flesh. Restoration. And my mom, let me tell you, my mom, I, I'd like to preach a sermon on my mom, but she couldn't be here because she would really be upset with me for talking that much about her on a Sunday. But let me tell you, she, she was God's plan. Uh, and my dad will tell you, my dad who's a retired pastor, he will tell you that it, it was my mom because, because my dad, my dad wasn't in church till, wasn't in church regularly, wasn't, wasn't serving God until I was almost a teenager and immediately called into ministry and they served the rest of, the rest of their life until they, until they retired, they served as, as pastors. They served as pastors and, and, but he would tell you, is my mom, she was God's plan for him and for her three sons. And now you look down and you look at the next generation and you see that her three sons, 
they're all in church today. And they're married to women who are all in church today. And you, and you look down one more generation and you see all those great grandkids, my grandkids and my brother's grandkids, her great grandkids, and they're all in church today. You see, she was God's plan. And and I'm not bragging on her because she's perfect, but I'm bragging on her because she believed in a God who was perfect enough to give her such a beautiful vision of what could happen in her family's life. And today, today I am blessed. And I'm not just blessed because somebody showed up. I'm blessed because God stuck somebody in my life like my mom who prayed those prayers over me, who, who, who shouted at God, as my, as my cousin used to say, who is, who is, who is like dealing with God and praying with God and asking God, and today I'm blessed that way. And you know what? You're that person in somebody else's life. You are God's plan. Like my mom was the plan for our whole family and the generations to come. You are God's plan for someone else. You know, you know why I believe? Let me tell you another reason I believe. Because I've got friends who have been that canvas, that, that, that reflection, that example, like Patrick. A friend of mine named Patrick who uh, posted a little bit of his story on Facebook just a couple of months ago. I, I, I shared it. So some of you may have seen this. And I, I, I contacted him this week and I said, I'd really love to share that story if I could from, from the stage on Sunday. And he said, absolutely. So, so I have his permission to read. But I mean, you know, he posted on Facebook so you assume that he wants everybody to know, right? I mean, people don't post things on Facebook until they really think about it and make sure it's what they want out there, right? You know, but well, he did, okay? So he really wanted people to hear this. We read this with me right here. I know it's a long paragraph, read this. It's, this is his story. He was a product of an abused sexual encounter, abusive sexual encounter by an estranged couple, a couple that was estranged. There was abusive sexual encounter, and that's, that's how he ended up here. He was a mistake. Anybody listening? He was, he's not supposed to be here. He's a mistake. He was poor. He was raised by other kids in an abusive home that was funded by drug dealers. Sound familiar to anybody? A little, little too close to home for some of you? He was molested by so-called Christians. So-called Christians. I threw that in. I I edited there because he knows what we're talking about there too. Some of you have been hurt by the church as well. And that's why, you know, you became the church. You were in church, but you got out because you got hurt. He was hurt all of his life. Exposed to pornography. He felt alone. Average in school. Jockey for position and attention. He begged for one parent's love, but never heard the words, I love you, except once in a drunken rage when he was 16. He lived out the model he had. He fit the definition he was given. Weak, addicted, alone, broke. He struggled with his identity. He was out of the house at 15 and living house to house at 17. For just a moment, stop right here before we read the rest of that. What picture do you have in your mind now? Now, I'm a very visual person. I am picturing all of this. What picture do you have in mind? Before we read the rest of this, real quick. What picture do you have in mind? People aren't always the way they are from a bad choice or two. You have no idea what people have come from or lived in. Come on, some of you, this is, this, this is ripping you apart because he's telling your story and not just his. You have no idea what people have come from or lived in. And that is why he says, this is why I work so hard to tell them they can be born again and come out. I did that boy was me. You know what that picture is? Let me show you that picture today. 
This is my buddy, Patrick. And this is the family. This is the, wait a minute. If I were to take that story, that's not the picture I would come up with today. You know, in, in imagining what his life was like today, if I listen to that story, that doesn't match that picture, does it? And, and here's a little bit more about the picture today is he's a pastor of a growing church in the Mobile area with, with two locations. He preaches one place and he goes somewhere else and preaches at another place. One church, two locations, and he preaches at both of them, early service and at a later service, and the church is still growing. But that's not the picture I get. But you see, that's what God does. That's what this amazing gift of grace and power through the blood of Jesus Christ does. It takes the old story, the old story that every one of us has, the old story that says you can never be any more than this, the old story that says how bad you are and all this, it takes that and it turns it into an amazing picture, an amazing canvas that he wants to paint and, and, and create for you. And some of you, you're dealing with this story and you're wondering, yes, let me tell you, because I've seen it, because I know it's happening, God can take your old story and he can make a beautiful picture just like my buddy Patrick here. He can give you this beautiful story this beautiful picture. He can rewrite it, but that's what he does is he rewrites our endings. He wants to rewrite your ending. And you know what? Not just for you, but for the people around you. If you say that, uh, say, pastor, my, my, my life is beginning to come together. Okay. Now then it's time for you to start doing something else. Go find somebody else that has a story that needs to become an awesome picture. Let me, let me, let me, let me take you just one step deeper into this before I close. When Jesus was about to leave this earth, he gave the great commission, he challenged and he spoke to us, but then he, he said something else. In, in Mark chapter 16, this is like when he's, a, when he's a, a, about to, to leave the earth and he's, about, he's telling his disciples, he says, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. And, and you know, we've heard that phrase at times, you know, because, you know, if you've never heard it in church, you might have seen it in a movie somewhere that a Catholic priest, you know, was having to exercise, or, you know, oh, somebody you know, in a horror movie or something, right? The demons have to be cast out. But he's not just talking about that, because there's a lot of places we go where there are demons and there are battles and there are struggles and there are enemies. There are houses. Some of you are living in places that there is an oppression or there is a spirit that is working against you every single day that you get up. And you don't know that you can make, some of you are going to a job and, and, and every, every time you go, you, you, you can't stand to even show up because you know the oppression and the battle that you're gonna face every single day. Some of you, some of you you've got, you've got that, that relationship at school or somewhere, you know, a teacher or something that is just, that is just literally destroying your life. There's, there's, there's just something somewhere, some ball, some something. And, 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 it's, and, and this word saying they will cast out, he didn't say they will cast demons out of people. He said they'll cast out demons. That if you're living in that kind of situation in your home, he said, he said I'm going to give these people power. That they're going to be able to, they, they dispel these. I'll, I'll show you this just again in a second because it comes back up. He says, they will speak with new tongues. 
And, and when he says this, and again, we, we, we make this so small. Oh, he's talking about those Pentecostal people, how they speak in tongues, you know, and all that and all that. That's just the beginning of it. Because what we're talking about here is, is he, when he says they will speak with new tongues, he's talking about, he's talking about them praying. Uh, some people call it a prayer language. Okay, praying in a prayer language. Let me explain it to you in a way some of you may get right here. Is what he's talking about is God saying, I want to pray through you because I know how to pray prayers that you don't know how to pray. Because I know the enemies that you're fighting. You think you're fighting this enemy? God says there is a bigger enemy behind this little thing. And I know the words that need to be spoken about, about the big enemy and to the big enemy that's behind this little thing. If you'll let me pray with you, God is saying, if you'll let me pray with you, I will pray against the big enemy in your life that is destroying everything in your life, not just this one little situation. It's so much more. And then when you begin to pray that prayer, it's so much more than just the talk. Uh, and he says, they will take up serpents. Okay, uh, let, me, let me stop here for just a moment also and do just a little bit of preaching. They will take up serpents. And you know, there, there are some people, you may, have seen, you may have seen some reality TV. You may have seen some stories on TV of people who have taken this to say, Jesus is saying, my followers are supposed to go pick up snakes and play with them. That ain't what he's saying. He doesn't say they will take up serpents and play with them. Now, this morning, somebody came into the service, and when they came in, they said, I took this sign down, Pastor. I thought it'd be a good thing. There was a sign that was pointing this way and said there was a reptile exhibit in this, in this room today. Because yesterday, there was a reptile exhibit in this room today, in this room yesterday. And, so, and, and she thought, you know, it probably wouldn't be a good idea for people to think that's what they're going to experience when they come into our, so I took that and I said, that's fine, that's fine. That's probably gonna come up in my sermon because I knew I was, I was going to this verse. That's, that's gonna come up in my sermon that you've got that sign, you know? And, and, and I told her, they said yesterday that when they were loading up, they couldn't find three of the snakes they had in here. So if y'all see them, let them know, okay? No, I'm just joking about that, right? But, you, you know, and, and I've been part of churches that, that some people thought we were snake handlers because there are some people out there that believe Jesus said, my, my people are going to get together in church. They're going to pick up snakes and play with them. That ain't what he's saying. Okay, now, first of all, this word serpent here is the same word serpent he is using everywhere else. And most of the time when Jesus is talking about serpents, he's not talking about the kind that you are afraid of, you know, the, those, those, those snakes. What he's talking about is he's talking about Satan himself. Go to Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Where Jesus says, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing will hurt you. You know what he's talking? He's not talking about snakes and spiders. He's talking about the devil. He's talking about his power. Now back up in that verse right there, a little bit there, that little phrase. He said, they will take up snake or the serpents or, or they will take up evil spirits. Okay, he's not saying this, that we're going to take up the devil by our hands and we're going to strangle him to death. We're going to beat him over the head because he's been really bad to us. He's not saying you're going to pick him up, you're going to play with him. That word take up there, you know, think about taking up. Why do you take something up? You know what I've done today? I've taken up some trash. There's some trash on the floor. I took up some trash, you know. I didn't take up trash to give it out to everybody. I didn't take up trash so that I could put it in my mouth, you know? I didn't take up pieces of trash and pieces of paper so I could just play with it. Let me see what I can make out of this. I took up the trash to take out the trash. Oh, come on, somebody, get with me on this. I take up the trash so I could take out the trash. What he is talking about here, and if you'll look back at other instances where this is used, he is talking about taking up 
the serpent, taking up the, de- the evil spirits, taking up the thing that is working so you can take out the evil thing, taking up the trash that is in your life so you can take out the trash that is in your life. Amen. That's what he's saying. Oh, uh, I got to hurry. Uh, it will be, it will by no, uh, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And again, he's just kind of repeating, nothing shall be even means hurt you. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Nothing's going to hurt, even if you drink something bad. God said, it ain't going to hurt you. So no, wait a minute. You mean that? Because I've, I've, I've had food poison. You need to start praying more because he has said, if you drink anything bad, now wait a minute. My goodness, what a promise here. He said, if you, if you put anything in your body that's supposed to hurt you, God said, no, 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 wait a minute. He said, There's some pro- there are some powerful promises right here and they will lay hands on the sick and there is no might, there is no, there is, and they will recover. Okay, so let me tell you what this is saying to you. When you embrace the fact that you are God's plan. Here's what it is saying. You know all this, if you, there's a word that is used there over and over and over and over and over in this verse. And you know what that word is? They. Who are they? I am they. I am they. I am they that lives in situations where there are demons and there are problems and there are battles and there are struggles. I am they who are supposed to bring not just a, a, let me tell you that you really need to get a doctor. I am they who is supposed to bring the power of God through my prayers and believe that God is going to pray along with me so so that when I pray the prayer that through God's help, we're going to take up the trash and we're going to take out the trash in the, li- in the lives and the people around us and the situations around us. God didn't just call us to just see the problems. He called us to make a difference in people's lives and we can do that by the name of Jesus Christ because he says, in my name they will. I'm the they. I'm the they that's supposed to pray the prayer and somebody's supposed to be healed. There are a lot of they's this past week that prayed the prayer over Cam and she was healed and she got home yesterday. I am the they, and you are the they. We are the they that are supposed to have power to pray the prayer, to take out the trash, to make things different in people's lives. Don't, don't go home and live in that anymore. Go home in the power of God today and say, this is going to be different beginning right now. Somebody hear that today and make up your mind and say, I am God's plan for something to be different in my life starting right now. Amen. Would you join me at the front? If you will, please stand and come to the front. If you're a first-time attender, we like to close around front. We'd love to have you join us if you feel comfortable. I, I, I just want to challenge you real quick. Not even going to read another verse of Scripture. Just challenge you real quick. We'll have a quick word of prayer and sing a last song, and we'd love to have you join us. Amen. Amen. I am God's plan. Any man in the house, raise your hand. Any man in the house, raise your hand. You're God's plan. Any ladies in the house, raise your hand. You're God's plan. Any children in the house, raise your hand. I'm one. You're God's plan. Every one of us is God's plan. Any friends in the house? Anybody got friends? If, if y'all see anybody that don't raise their hand, let us know. We'd sure like to help them out a little bit, okay? We'll find them a friend too. If you're a friend, raise your hand. Come on, if you're a friend, you got a friend, raise your hand. You are God's plan for that friend. And go tell them about a great sermon series, crazy title for, for, for December and Christmas. Go tell them about that. But you are God's plan to make a difference. How? Through the name of Jesus Christ, that in my name, he says. In my name, Jesus says, you are the they 
that is going to pray the prayer that changes somebody's life and somebody's eternity. Bow with me for just a moment. Prayer team is already standing here facing you. You you notice them because they're facing you, but also they got a little lanyard around. Some of you are living in a situation that you don't need to be living in. You need to be set free. And you are walking around with the power of God in you. You need to quit living in that. Would you come this morning, when when we start praying, would you come and and just take the hand of, of one of these prayer team members and agree because the word of God says we're to agree concerning anything, it will be done. So come down here and let, us, let me, let one of these prayer team members pray with you. Or maybe, t- maybe even tell them what it is. Right, my, my husband, my, my wife has got to get saved. i got to have some relief. They've got to get saved. And let them know and let's pray about this. Or your kids, you don't know where they are. Or you know where they are and you're so scared to death for them. And you say, I'm, re- I'm ready for that thing to change. Or, or your financial situation or your job situation or the place you are in a relationship, a bad relationship, a place you are at school or something. And say, this needs to Listen, I'm going to start praying over you right now. And as I pray over you, when that thing comes to your mind, I really encourage you, please, come down and let us agree. Make a line if you have to. I'd love to pray over every person in this room because every one of you, you've got some place. You've got some place in your life that you need a victory, that you, you, need, a, you need some amazing and you ready... Are you ready for it to start today? Are you ready for your future to be, uh, your past to be your past and your future to be here today? Are you ready for your past to be done? Are you ready to stand in the middle of the rubble that, that some of you are standing in in your life like Nehemiah and say, this is the past, but there's an awesome future in front of me today. Come on, bow with me again. Now, close your eyes, let's pray. And when, and when you begin thinking about that place that you need something amazing, would you please come and let us, and we want to agree with you in prayer that it is done today. It is done.